Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show. Today, I'm excited to discuss about conversion rate, how you can get more sales. And uh, I have an awesome guest and expert in this niche, Daniel Barstein. Yes, am I right to pronounce your name? Yes, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. In the States, we say a little more Burstein, but Burstein, beautiful too, so... Ah, cool, cool. Okay. Uh, you know, because uh, people often uh, uh, pronounce my name differently, <laughs> but uh, I know, yeah, it, it depends. Uh, someone uh, can tell me, no, you, you, you should learn how to pronounce. Uh, yeah, something like this. Okay, totally. before... Yeah, before we start, introduce a little bit about yourself, your background, uh, and why you decided to take this topic. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, first of all, I'm going to talk about me, but I want to talk about audience, everyone watching. So, if you're watching, if you're looking for, hopefully today, you get just one good selling idea to help improve your conversion rate, maybe improve your content, essentially help you better serve customers to perform better. So, stay tuned in, pay attention, take some notes. Hopefully, you walk away with at least one idea. If you don't have at least one idea... Find me on LinkedIn, Twitter. I'll give you one. We we got it. You got we got to get you an idea out of this to to help uh, make your marketing work better. So I'm Daniel Burstein. I'm the senior director of content and marketing here at MechLabs Institute. We publish have lot tons and tons of free content through Marketing Sherpa, which is where I think you found me on Atoli through marketing experiments. We have a, a no cost CR, uh, conversion rate optimization course through MechLabs. So we put out a lot of free information to help uh, people market better. And at the core, and hopefully what we're going to talk about today, and what I tried. Where I started there is, is this idea of kind of customer-first marketing and better understanding your customer to improve conversion, which is why, and I told you, we have to start. Like, I appreciate you talking about me. We got to start with the people listening. How can we help them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, guys, uh, you can ask any questions uh, uh, in the chat. And uh, I want to start from the first question, you know, uh, sure. that my customers often ask me, uh, how do I know that uh, something is wrong with my conversion rate? Uh, for example, I have traffic, I have sales, but uh, I want to improve it. I think everyone want to get more sales. How to know that something is wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a great question. That's a complex question. So first of all, it's not that there's necessarily some overarching wrong or right, you know, conversion rate. So a colleague of mine wrote our landing page optimization benchmark because we get this question all the time. What, you know, what should my ideal conversion rate be? And so this book was filled with tons of charts, but in that one, just a big chart and just said 100% right? Because <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. our ideal conversion rate, 100%, probably not realistic. So I think what you want to do at the end of the day, first of all, look at how your business is performing. So uh, a big um, uh, mistake that, you know, some entry-level businesses make is they focus on the fact that they're getting sales, right? So they'll do whatever they can to get those sales. They'll they'll put these big incentives and have markdowns and they'll, uh, you know, pay for Facebook advertising, Google advertising, wherever they're advertising. And then kind of at the end of the day, when they sit with their CPA or accountant or business folks, and they say, hey, your sales and sales Sales are increasing, but you're not really making any money. <laughs> you know, right? Your margins are horrible. You're not making money. So I think first, the real question you have to ask is, you know, look at all of your financials and see, is is this really working for my end goal, which is probably some point of profitability. Don't just look at the sales you're making. Look at, you know, what margin you're getting off of that. And then so from there, what you really have to do, and you know, what 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 uh, we talk about at Mech Labs is a funnel analysis. So at a high level, I don't know the you know uh, how uh, deep your your audience is into marketers. Uh, basically, a funnel is the journey your customers go through to ultimately purchase from you. So 
you know, whatever you're buying, if you're, you know, buying a phone online or something like that, you don't just go to that website and buy the phone, right? First, you start, you're researching the phone, you're looking at different websites there, you find this website, you find that website, you click through the websites, maybe you just subscribe to their email or follow them on social, you think for a few more months, and eventually you buy the phone, whatever those steps are, you know, really analyze that funnel and look, where are you getting the biggest drop off? And then you have to kind of dive a little deeper and say, why are you getting the drop off there? Does that make sense? Yeah, of course, of course. I think that uh, sales funnel is very important, especially for content marketing, uh, because uh, I think the businesses that uh, they pay attention only to sell, to optimize their landing pages, they lose uh, a lot of customers because uh, uh, most customers don't buy from unrecognizable brands. If they don't know you, <laughs> they never buy. Uh, I don't remember exactly the number, but it's like uh, 75 or 95% of people don't buy if they uh, haven't met your brand before. Uh, okay. Yeah, so uh, one great just quick mm -hmm. tip and takeaway on that. So, you know, we call it sales funnel, the marketing funnel, all these things in marketing. What I like to call it is the buyer's journey. What journey are mm -hmm, you taking, yeah. you know? And so there's a famous uh, a writer named Joseph Campbell, and he has something called the monomyth or the hero's journey. So, and it tells how like kind of all stories are told. And there's pretty much a, a traditional way of telling stories, you know? It's something happens to our hero. So he has to go out on this journey, overcome all these obstacles, and then he or her, you know, defeats the evil villain and and then, you know, they're, they're victorious at the end. What you should really do, get with your team, talk to your customers, get in one room, map out what is that buyer's journey? What are each of the stages? And how are you serving customers at each stage to ultimately make that final decision that, yes, they, they want to purchase from you if that's the best decision for them? Yeah. And, you know, uh, once I read one book that marketers uh, rely a lot on uh, online studies, uh, tools, and they forget to talk to their customers. Yes. Just, yeah, just spend time <laughs> with them. And uh, uh, great uh, entrepreneurs, CEOs, they can spend uh, one day, a few days with a customer to talk to them, to ask why they buy their products uh uh, why these products can help them to decide their, uh, I don't know, to improve their lives, simplify uh, something uh, in their routine. Yeah. You're telling, I, I and, mm -hmm. and you know what? I think that the biggest, most important skill for a successful entrepreneur or marketer, it's not necessarily having some right business acumen and understanding the accounting and all these things. It's really curiosity and caring yeah. about other people. Because at the end of the day, we, we say customers, but what do we mean? They're just other people. They're people different from us. And so the more you can kind of close that curiosity gap, the more you can get more, it's a weird word to say, but I say customer intimacy. Get intimate, get close to your customers, really care about them, talk to them. Get on the forums they're using. Look at those forums. Look at the conversations they're having, the social media, wherever they are. Try to, as much as possible, do the hardest thing that it is for us to do as humans, right? Get in someone else's head. We're so focused on ourselves. Right. We've got our own goals. We, you know, we want to sell products. We want this, we want that. Get in that other person's head. Try to see what they're going through. And when you do that, I'll actually I can give you a quick example, right? When you do that, you can really, you know, serve them better and ultimately uh, become more profitable. So here's a quick example. We were talking about on the pre-call about the marketing Sherpa case studies and how I'm so demanding and demanding that I want specific examples with results. And this is why, because it 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 really ends up helping other people. So there was a, um, a company that sold uh, diamond rings online, diamond engagement rings, okay? And so there, there's a lot of companies that sell diamond engagement rings online, apparently. And they were really trying to get in, figure out their customers, like, well, how could we serve them better? Honestly, how can we have a better margin? So this is not just some sort of commodity product. And they were thinking through the process. And really, at the end of the day, they didn't sell diamond engagement rings. What they sold is a way for someone to ask someone else to marry them. 
right? Because mm -hmm. it's what mostly would happen was, you know, in general, you know, males would go onto the site, they would buy an, a diamond ring, not because they wanted a diamond ring, but because they wanted to get this woman to marry them. And I'm sure there were all different different genders involved as well. But at the end of the day, that's what that person needed. They needed that token to say, will you marry me? So they stepped back and said, how can we serve these customers better? So Anatoly, when I asked my wife to marry me, I didn't, I was, I didn't know what diamond ring to get or whatever. So what I did was I just got two paper clips. I got a yellow paper clip and a white paper clip. I got down on my knee on the beach. I said, will you marry me? And thank God you said yes. And then we went and she helped me pick out the diamond ring, right? So what they did was they had a you know form on their site and said, hey, you don't know what diamond ring your, your wife will want? No problem. We'll give you a free loaner, right? We'll give mm -hmm. you a free loaner ring that you, so you can you know propose to her and then you can come back and purchase it together. And what happened? They got a ton more leads. There were so many people that visited the site that were so thankful. Oh my gosh, I don't have to make this decision now by myself. You know, they a lot of them even signed up, didn't even get the free loaner ring, but then started to, you know, through their marketing automation programs, they started to kind of have further contacts with these people. And then the people that did get these rings, when they went to shop around, they didn't just shop around. They went back to this site with their, you know, now fiance to pick out that ring. So again, it just gets back to not, oh, my landing page, my product, me, 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 me. It gets back to who is the customer? What do they really need? What pain are they trying to overcome? What goal are they trying to reach? And how can you better serve them doing that? Yeah, 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 valuable, valuable. Uh, okay, uh, uh, let's talk about um, technical aspect. For example, uh, I want to create my uh, buying journey. Uh, where I need to start? Uh, what I need to do first? Uh, for example, um, uh, I don't know. Okay, uh, I sell uh, digital marketing uh, uh, services. I want to help others to optimize their websites, SEO. Uh, let's take this example. Where I need to start? Yeah, well, there, there's, you know, usually two parts of the customer journey. There's a famous Donald Rumsfeld quote, and he said, there are the known knowns, the known unknowns, and the unknown unknowns. And that's pretty, you know, kind of lengthy. So let's, let's unpack it. And the known knowns, so we know, you know, most marketers know the funnel they intended to set up on their website, right? So we know, for example, that let's say we bought an ad in a newspaper, and that ad has a, you know, a link to a landing page on it, has URL, and then people go to that landing page and then it's got a form and then we send them an email and they purchase, whatever that is. We know that, right? That's what we set up. That's what we tried intentionally hoping. So start, that's kind of that part where you can start out and say, okay, let me map out those different steps that we're asking the customer to do. And then at each step of the funnel, what resulting conclusion do they need to come to, right? What decision am I helping them make? And when I'm helping that make them make that decision, it, sometimes the decision isn't even to purchase from me, right? If you're selling digital marketing services, you probably can't really serve everyone the best. And even for the ones that would say yes to you, some of them, you know, you can't serve them. So it's not good for them to be your customer, but also it's not good for you because you probably couldn't serve them profitably, right? Getting back to the margins we talked about. So figuring that out at each step of that funnel, what questions are they asking? What decisions do I, do I need to help them make? And how do I do that? Right? So that's the known knowns, right? Then there are the known unknowns, right? You know that before they got to that ad, you know, whatever it was, there was something else going on. And this is, again, where it can be helpful. Call 10 customers you had or even some customers you lost and ask them, how did they get to that point of seeing your ad to begin with? You know, again, go on social media, search online, go on forums, any place that your customer is. Try to get the sense of, of what are they doing kind of before they got there. And then there are the unknown unknowns, right? So when we're talking about this, usually by the time they get to the ad or by the time they have that first touch with you, they've come to the conclusion that, 
well, you're, I have a problem or I have a goal and your product or your service is probably the right way to get there. But the unknown unknowns are they don't always start there, right? Sometimes they don't even know that there's a solution for it. So I'll give you an example. I have a, a crack in my window, one of my windows in my house. And so mm -hmm. the first thought I had for this solution, well, you buy a new window, right? And so getting a new window is expensive. And so I focus there. And then somewhere along the line, I think a neighbor said something or read it somewhere. I found out like, well, actually, you can just replace the glass in your window and that would be less expensive because you still have the frame, right? So that's an example. You know, the customer has this early pain point, right? Or this early goal. They don't, they're not necessarily going, ah, I'm going to Anatoly's product right away. I'm going to Anatoly's product. First, they even have to do this discovery process where they discover what are my possible solutions. And again, that's where it can really help to talk to them, to, to read the types of things they read, right? If you're in any type of B2B industry at all, whatever it is, I highly suggest there's usually magazines and websites focused on that industry. Read them as much as possible to understand what the customer might be going through. Yeah, yeah, valuable insights. Uh, okay, what about uh, content marketing? For example, uh, if you create a content strategy uh, and wanna cover all stages of sales funnel, uh, and uh, that means uh, in the first stage, second, uh, customers won't buy, uh, it takes time, you know, but they can learn about you, you can uh, help them, support. Um, uh, how to create this content strategy? Uh, for example, for a new product, uh, if you wanna uh, cover uh, the first, second, uh, all stages of sales funnel. Sure, well, you said a beautiful word in there, Anatoly, and I can't say it as cool as you do, I wish I could say it as cool as you do, but help them right? Yeah. That's so essential. It's something we so overlook, right? Content marketing. I, I wish I could change the name of it. I would just call it help people, help yeah. people, right? And so what, we, what content marketing, what we're doing is saying there are certain people we're going to help absolutely free, right? With our content. And then at some point at the end of the day, you know, we're a profitable business. At what point do we have to charge them for something, right? So if let's say digital marketing service, there's a lot of free information we can give with podcasts like this, right? And then at some point yeah. we say, okay, we have to charge them. So we're going to help them whether they buy or not, because most people we can, we can help them with things like podcasts, videos, blog posts, all sorts of content, even if they don't buy from us. And at the end of the day, it's going to help us because even if they're not the right customer, remember we said finding the right customer that we can profitably serve, hopefully they're going to tell other people, they're going to share it and people are going to discover us. So to answer your question, how can we help people? Well, let's go back to that customer journey, right? So if we did that customer journey correctly, Right? We didn't only talk about the known knowns. We talked about all these things that customers are going through to ultimately get to our purchase. And along the way, they're going to have all these questions. They're going to have all these things they need to answer. And what we can do is we can map out with our content how we help them answer those questions. So in some ways, it's just answering the question so they can do it themselves. And then in some ways, it's answering the question with them coming to the conclusion that we would be the best to help them. So for example, it's working recently with a tax service. And so that's here in the States where, you know, if for some reason you have an issue with the IRS, which is our internal revenue service that collects taxes, they're going to get to a point where they're going to send you these threatening letters and eventually they can garnish your wages and take your money and do all these things to you. So people get one of these things where they're going to start having their wages garnished or, or money taken out of their savings account. They get scared. They look online. What do I do? So when we met with this company at first, they said, you know, they had these free 15-minute uh, consultation calls. They said, you know, a lot of times, maybe, I don't know, 85% of the time we talk to people and, and they can solve this themselves. They, they don't really need us. You know, we don't want to take their money if they don't really need us. And it's a pretty simple solution. And maybe 15 or 20% of the time, 
they can't. And that's where we're really valuable. So one of the things they created, and they're still working out now, but it's it's beautiful. It's they've had, I don't know, 1700 calls over the past, you know, year, you know, resolutions with the IRS. And they broke that all down into these five steps that people can take to resolve tax problems. And so they say very clearly in there, they say, hey, Here's, you know, if, if this is your situation, you could probably do it yourself and here are the steps to take. And so then what happens? They're solving customer problems. People are going there. They're finding that solution. If it works, you know, they probably didn't need that tax service anyway. They didn't lose a customer, but they gained a fan who's going to tell three to five other people about them. And if they look and if situation's not right for them, then what they've done is they didn't say, hey, we're the best service for this. We're number one. You know, uh, we're the Uber of tax services or the Tesla of tax services. We're fantastic. Choose us. The world's best. They didn't do that because who believes that, Anatoly? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what they did was they showed the customer with their content. They showed them, look, look at our expertise. Look at our willingness to help people. And then that right customer came to the conclusion themselves and they said, hey, I want to work with these guys. They're going to help me out. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I remember uh, one example from uh, Phil Knight, um, the creator of uh, Nike, and uh, he shared on his book uh, when he got a bill uh, $25 million <laughs> for, for paying taxes, <laughs> he was shocked. Uh, uh, that was 70s or 60s, I don't remember exactly, but you know, he told, no way, that's crazy, it, it destroys me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, he uh, decided uh, to um, uh, to pay attention with that, uh, to uh, search for politicians. Yeah, interesting book. It's better to read it. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, uh, okay. If I understand uh, my customers, I understand their journey. Uh, but uh, I'm not alone. Uh, we have competitors. Yes, and they yeah. create their content marketing as well. They provide some uh, great stuff. Uh, how do I know that? Uh, I don't uh, create um, the same stuff, uh, generic stuff. For example, uh, uh, I'm, I provide SEO services, but uh, uh, if you type on Google, you can find Moz, Ahrefs, Supersuggest, uh, uh, Brian Dean, many uh, great uh, companies and uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, uh, but uh, I wanna be unique. I don't want to copy them. I don't wanna to create overwhelm stuff or, or overpriced. How to find uh, the, right, the right strategy uh, with lack of quality content and low competition? Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful question, Anatoly. And let, let me tell you why. So, you know, at Mech Labs, we have this whole patent and heuristic. Uh, these patents were created by our founder, Flint McLaughlin. He's one of like the early founders of, you know, internet marketing. And, and uh, he patented these heuristics that really help people walk through methodologically and say, how can I increase conversion? How can I improve my, improve my value proposition, right? Because this is something other industries do. Manufacturers do this, right? Manufacturers aren't just like, hey, there's just one good guy in the factory who knows how to build the contact lens as well, right? No, they have a methodology. And so yeah. this methodology is free. You can go to mechlabs.com heuristics, a weird word, but it just means thought tool. And you can learn all about this methodology and you can walk through it. But one of the things in the methodology is how do I create a powerful value proposition, right? And there are four elements to that. There's appeal, there's exclusivity, there's credibility, and there's clarity. And so one thing that many companies do, to your point, Anatoly, is they focus on appeal. They say something appealing. But what's <laughs> the challenge there? When there's not exclusivity, when you can get it anywhere, then one, it kills your margins when you do sell because it becomes a price sale. And two, why, why should they buy from you? So what you need to do is a competitive analysis. So we've got free tools on the, on the Marketing Sherpa blog for how to do that. But at the end of the day, you want to get a sense of 
what are other competitors offering? What is their offering? And then you need to look internally and work with your team and say, what can we offer that is exclusive than that, right? What is different? What is better about our offering? And this is where, as we talked about, you want to say no to some customers, right? Once you find that exclusivity, there's some that you want to say, look, we're not for you. Don't come to us. You know, someone else can serve you. But for the other ones, we can serve you better than anywhere else. So in the marketing space, I was, uh, we just published a case study with um, an AI technology called Mutiny. It's a marketing technology. And they were kind of going through the same thing. And they were like, oh my gosh, there's so many, so much marketing AI out there. So many different, you know, marketing conversion. And what they found out is they looked at the data within their, their, their um, platform. Cause the way it worked is you sign up for the platform and then you launch these different campaigns in there. And they narrowed it down to the niche that they could serve better than anyone, anyone else. And it's in the case study, but I think I'm pretty sure it was like B2B. And then it was a startup, but they'd already gotten their series A funding. So they got a very specific, like we can serve this group better than anyone else. And so then instead of, you know, offering this, you know, marketing AI platform where they're like, Hey, everybody in the world, guess what? We've got a marketing AI platform, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and there's a hundred others. Like we were joking about marketing automation. They said, Hey, if you are a B2B company that just got your series A funding, then we can serve you better than anyone else. And then what they're able to do is get better and better and better at that. So they can get more evidential, so they can show those customers, so they can fine tune that product to really serve that group better than anyone else. So that's what you really have to ask at the end of the day. What is the total addressable market for my product? And what is really the total addressable market that's profitable for me at a good margin because I can serve it better than anyone else when I look at the competitors. When, to your point, Anatoly, I'm not just in a vacuum, right? I'm not just looking at the mirror, looking at my own website, looking at my own products and saying how great I am. I kind of get out there in the world and I say, oh, there's a hundred other companies doing this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I remember when Gary Vee shares that uh, salespeople uh, fail because they often try to sell someone who uh, already replied no. You know, if you got this reply, it's not your customer. Yeah, just uh, leave it and uh, find another people, you know, other customers who uh, are willing to buy your products. Yes, to find this uh, a bind persona. Yeah, you know, it's a beautiful pro approach if you're going to take to your sales and marketing. And I know this kind of sounds touchy-feely and like I'm a hippie or something mm -hmm. to really help people. Because if that's your approach, at the end of the day, you're helping yourself as well. So, you know, in my early days, I'm not a good salesperson, so don't don't take any sales advice from me. But in my in my early days, uh, you know, when I was in college, I got a job as in telemarketing, and the job in telemarketing was uh, it was for timeshares, and the job was to get people to show up for the timeshare pitch, and if they did, you know, then then they got a free vacation. And so the the there was a specific script that the timeshare company used, and it was kind of like, oh, you they were kind of making it the person feel like they won something you know what i mean they didn't use that language specifically so it was legally okay it's like they've been selected but like oh it's so great you won something come to beautiful florida you know and what what i told them i was like look here's the deal if you show up to this timeshare sales presentation they're going to give you a free vacation not everyone wants to put up with that and if you don't i understand but if you do want to put up with it you'll get a free vacation and then the people that do want to put up with it they love it because they're getting the free vacation and what happened was you know what I wasn't wasting my time trying to sell people who weren't going to be a good fit for it. Because at mm -hmm. the end of the day, you have to think of your entire customer journey, right? Yeah. You're looking for not just total leads, you're looking for quality leads. What I needed to get my commission was not just for people to say yes and hang up, 
but for people to actually go take a journey and show up physically to this place and stay the entire time. So if I made them feel like, oh, wow, you won something. It's so great, blah, blah, blah. And then they show, they have to show up five days later, you know, over those five days after they get off the phone with me, then they start thinking like, I, I don't know, was this a scam? Or they talk to their friend and they're like, that sounds fishy. Did you ever enter a contest? But if I was upfront with them and the people who said, no, I didn't waste my time. I focused on the ones who said, yes, it was a fit for them. Then they knew what they were getting into. They didn't have to feel like they were being baited and switched, right? And they were more likely to show up. So it served the people on the other end of the phone. But for me, I also got better commissions from it. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. Okay. Um, uh, let's talk about uh, optimizing uh, landing page. Um, I often see when uh, these landing pages are overwhelmed, you know, with uh, context information, they try to sell a lot of products from uh, one shot, you know, customers hate it. Uh, can you provide some insights how to simplify user experience uh, or personalize this experience uh, with landing pages? For example, HubSpot uh, shares a study that they have uh, over 200 uh, different types of landing pages uh, uh, because they uh, know their customers, they're different, and uh, they can provide different landing pages for uh, various groups. Uh, can you provide some insights about that? Yeah, so that's that's actually a huge topic. And we have uh, you know an entire conversion rate optimization course we're just launching now for landing pages. It's fully underwritten by MechLabs Institute, so there's no monetary cost for anyone. So if you want to get really deep on that, you can go to mechlabs.com slash fast class. That's M-E-C-L-A-B-S dot com slash fast class. And we're you know, we've got like 25 sessions, thought tools, a lot, a lot we're gonna go deep into. But here's what I can tell you at a at a high level, right? So as I said, we have these patented heuristics. Uh, developed by our founder, Flint McLaughlin, to help you increase the probability of conversion. I'll go through it really briefly, and, and then there, there's a lot more information online. But at the end of the day, what every decision we make on a landing page, for sure, for landing page optimization, but anywhere, comes down to this. Is the perceived, the perceived value higher than the perceived cost? Not mm -hmm. the real value, not the real cost, because no one visiting a landing page really knows, right? They're seeing a page. They're not actually knowing the product. So do they perceive a higher value than a higher cost? And that cost is not just monetary. There are other things involved. So on the value side at a high level, there's a few things. One, there's motivation. So motivation is something intrinsic in the individual. Are you tapping into that individual's motivation, right? So for example, uh, when we see, uh, you know, back in the day, Apple would launch an iPhone and there'd be people lined up around the block for days to get this iPhone, right? Because they're so motivated to get that iPhone. People will overcome yeah. a lot of things if they're very highly motivated, right? So I'm a huge fan of Pearl Jam, uh, you know, a rock band. I, I, would, I don't want to wait in line for anything. I'm super impatient. I want things right away. But if I can get Pearl Jam tickets, I will wait in line. I'm, I'm motivated. So motivation is one of those positive elements. You want to look at your landing page and say, what is my customer's motivation? Am I tapping into it? Value proposition, which we talked about briefly. What is the value proposition, not just of my overall company, but what is the value proposition of this product on mm -hmm. this page with this offer to this person, which could vary to your point that you might have very, you know, different landing pages for different products for different people. So you can tap deeply into that motivation with that right value proposition. And that consists of the four things I mentioned earlier, right? Appeal, exclusivity, clarity, and credibility. The two things to really be careful for, as we mentioned that the exclusivity factor, but also the credibility factor. What are you putting on your landing page and how are you telling that story to communicate it credibly? It's not enough to say it. If no one believes it, who cares, right? You have to communi 
communicate it credibly. And then the last positive factor, and then I'll tell you the negative factors, the cost that you want to avoid uh, is incentive, right? So mm -hmm. some, you know, as I said, perceived value needs to be more than perceived cost. Sometimes they're pretty close, right? And so a good little tipping point you can do to make the value higher than the cost is give a little extra incentive, right? Maybe they get free shipping or they get a little extra product or 10% off if they buy now or something like that. The thing to be careful for is incentive is the most abused tactic in marketing, right? So here in America, we used to have car companies that would pay you to buy the car, right? We'll give you $5,000 if you buy our car, $7,000, $8,000, just buy our darn car, we'll pay you money. And not surprisingly, before the Great Recession about 10 years ago, they went out of business and had to be bailed out by the government because that's not a good way to have a sustainable, profitable business to, to buy, to pay people to buy your products. And that's where, as I was saying in the beginning, a lot of companies do this. They think they're doing well because they're getting a lot of sales, but they're so incentive laden that they're not really making any money. Yeah. So that's on the positive side. Look at that landing page. How mm -hmm. can I tap into motivation? How can I communicate the value problem? How, you know, should I add an incentive? On the negative side, on the cost side, right? It's not just monetary. Two key costs to keep in mind. One is friction. Friction. What am I making people go through on that landing page? Is this a 15-step form where it only needs to be a five-step form? Sometimes the most successful thing we've done is look at a three-step process or a four-step process when you're clicking through the landing page, you're you know, signing up for an account, you're adding something to your cart, you're adding your information, and just taking out a step or two, removing some of that friction, making it easier for the customer, less cost of their time. And then other cost is anxiety, right? So friction, that's kind of more that physical cost of what you have to go through. Anxiety is that mental concern. You're looking at a landing page, right? You're trying to determine what is on the other side of this landing page. Who is this company? Who are these people I'm going to be working with? What is this product I'm ultimately going to get? People are anxious. How can you reduce that anxiety, right? Is there some sort of warranty or guarantee or third-party credibility, testimonials, rating reviews, what can you do to reduce that anxiety? So at a high level, that's what it comes down to. Make sure that perceived value is higher than the perceived cost. And at the end of the day, what I can't tell you on this podcast is these exact words or headline or layout that's going to work for your, your unique customer. The great thing about landing pages is you can test them. You can set up an A-B test. You can come up with a hypothesis about the customer. I think they either have this motivation or that motivation. You can set up two landing pages, split the traffic, test, and see what actually works. Yeah, you know what I like in your explanation about uh, emotion part, you know, because uh, you don't touch uh, uh, features. Uh, you uh, are talking about emotion that uh, 75 of uh, uh, all decisions are emotions. And uh, about uh, Apple, uh, I remember when Tim Cook uh, uh, share presentation about new Apple Watch. He uh, didn't uh, try to explain about uh, uh, features that uh, Apple Watch has. Uh, he shares uh, three stories how this watch can help others. Uh, one sportsman, uh, one blind man uh, who uh, can uh, do everything with this watch, uh, one, uh, uh, one person that... Uh, uh, who knew that uh, he has um, uh, some disease and uh, he uh, came to the doctor in time, you know. Yeah, and he shared stories uh, to touch emotion part. Uh, don't try to explain about some uh, features, benefits, because I often see when uh, you open uh, product pages, you can find only uh, features, you know. Uh, but uh, all products have these features. People want to know stories. Uh, can you tell more about how to... Um, uh, 
to tell your story. For example, um, I have products and I need to tell the story uh, to sell my products. Uh, some insights how, how I can do it. Sure. Yeah. So I think we just published an article on marketing storytelling, actually. So here's the importance of story, right? So again, I hear all the time, like, I can't compete with Amazon. I can't compete with Walmart. You know, my margins, yeah. are, they're getting killed. Like, I, I just can't compete on price. Well, you can compete on story, right? So think about wine for a second. What is wine? All it is, is old, expensive grape juice with a really good story right? Yeah. <laughs> Why does it cost so much more than grape juice? It's just got a really good story. And so what you've got to look at, and this is where what we were talking about in the beginning was so important, it's stop focusing on yourself, right? Focus on that other person. Why did you start that business? Yeah, I'm sure you're trying to make money, but hopefully it's to genuinely help other people. Like you mentioned with the Tim Cook example, it's not like, oh, look at us. We're so great. We created a watch with all these yeah. features and functions and stuff. It's like, Hey, here's how we're helping people. So start, back it up, look at that. How are you actually helping people? There you go. Yeah, and it's yeah, hopefully helping because you. I, I, it's the main reason why I buy it. <laughs> yeah, and, and and ask yourself, okay, how, what am I doing here? What am I doing that is actually helping other people? So I'll give you, you know, again, like I told you, we we published tons and tons and tons of case studies, and I'll give you another example of one we just published in this uh, uh, story about marketing storytelling, and it also gets to the point of, you know, it, it's not necessarily that you need to tell your own story. So uh, there's a company, I think it's called DSM Tool, and they make um, a drop shipping software for eBay sellers, right? And so what they did, you know, the, the uh, guy that started, the entrepreneur, he was telling me like, he's like, hey, look, we weren't savvy digital marketers. We didn't know exactly what we we're doing, but we just did two simple things that really helped. One, we set up an affiliate marketing program. And two, we, you know, set up a free trial. And so what this did is it encouraged others to tell his story. So others, you know, the influencers on YouTube and Instagram and everywhere who are trying to teach about eBay shipping miles, they use his software as an example because they were going to get that affiliate money back. And there was also a free trial where people could try it out. So it gave them an incentive to tell the story and include DSM tool in there. So that's one great example of, you know, kind of don't just focus on, on your own story. Look at other stories. Uh, another case study in there real quick. Um, it was called, it's a, a nonprofit organization here in America. It's called Reefs Across America. And what they do is they go to, um, you know, veterans who have died in the war. They make sure they, they put wreaths on their graves to, to honor them. And one of the things they found out was there was this um, flight in the early days of the Vietnam War where uh, it was kind of before the Vietnam War officially started. And it went down and over 100 service members had died. And, you know, their names weren't here on the Vietnam Veterans Memorial and they weren't being honored. And so what they did themselves is they set up a way to honor them with their own memorial. So what they did is they helped people and they told that story. They told that that person's story. And in doing so, they naturally communicated their value proposition, which is what we do. We honor other people. So that's one thing you can do. Look at potential customers, see how you can help people, how you can create something new and good and of value to help them. Uh, even interview them. Testimonials make great stories. Ask them about how they were helped. Get those out there. Let them do their bragging for you. And then take a good, hard look in the mirror. So at the end of the day, like I said, really marketing is about other people. But if you're the founder or if your group is doing something really special and important and trying to help people, tell them your story. Why are you doing that? What's the background? Why did you get into this business? How are you trying to help other people? That can be compelling and a, and a really great way to connect with people. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think it's a great, a great example from Simon Sanik. Uh, when he uh, spoke on uh, TED, he uh, shared eight stories. Uh, and uh, these stories 
uh, were not connected with him. <laughs> he just took uh, interesting stories and shared them uh, on his speech. And uh, after this, uh, um, yeah, he became famous <laughs> and big influencer in this niche. Yeah. Hey, look at Tesla. So at one mm -hmm, point, yeah. I, I don't know the I don't know the exact number now, but at one point, Tesla was worth more than like eight or ten other car companies combined, like Volkswagen, Toyota, Honda, more than them combined. And why is that? Like when you buy a Tesla, what are you really buying? Like, yes, they're really freaking cool cars, right? You know, there's no pollution. They're fast. They're so cool. When you walk up to one, like the Tesla <laughs> Model S, the handle just comes out for you. It's, it's so cool. But really what you're buying at the end of the day, you don't really know. You're buying Elon Musk's story. You're like, there's yeah. this real life Tony Stark Iron Man who's sending <laughs> stuff into space and building building these ridiculous cars. And I believe in him. I'm buying that story. When you have Toyota, super reliable car, great car. You know, uh, GM makes some good cars. Volkswagen, all these companies. But what's the story really? The story is some monolith that's been around a hundred years. For V for VW, the story is we treated we cheated you about the diesel emissions, you know, all these other things. There's no real story you have to connect yeah. with where you're really kind of feeling that. And that's why Tesla, I mean, what do they really do with marketing? It's Elon Musk's life. It's his story. Yeah. And uh, Elon Musk uh, told once that he, Tesla didn't use marketing methods. You know, it's uh, I mean, like generic marketing uh, because uh, Tesla shares story uh, how to change the world how to improve this world and yeah it helps uh, uh, i don't remember uh, tesla costs uh, 600 billion dollars more than all car companies in the world yeah good job yeah. good job <laughs> okay can you tell more uh, some common mistakes that you can see uh, on um, uh, with conversions uh, that uh, many websites provide uh, on their content yeah, so I think, you know, the biggest problem is, uh, you know, uh, the copy on our websites, the words on our websites, are, they're often like very internally faced. And what I mean by that is like you, some of the things we talked about with very focused on features and benefits, you know, yeah. they're focused on the things that we care about and not necessarily that our customers care about. Sometimes that gets down to the very language. So we did a case study with IBM where I forget the exact word, but it was an HR type of software. And they were using some internal language on their on their IBM website about smarter commerce or something. And then when they changed it to the actual terms that customers use, they saw a big increase in conversion. So yeah, I think the biggest thing comes down to the thing we've talked about. Are you focused on yourself or your customers? With your wording, you know, the, there can be a lot of lavish praise. So I'll, I'll give you an example, even though it was something different. It was a press release. We had a, a PR agency we worked with, fantastic PR agency. I love them. But when they, we first started working with them, and this is the mistake a lot of agencies make, a lot of consultants, if you're listening, you got to push back. You got to challenge your clients. We had Marketing Sherpa Summit, which was a big event. They wrote a press release for it, and it said how awesome Marketing Sherpa Summit was. And so the challenge with that is they were writing to the wrong audience, okay? Yeah. The audience they were writing to was me and my colleagues, not potential attendees. Potential attendees don't care at all <laughs> about Marketing Sherpa <laughs> Summit, and they wouldn't believe it's the best event in the world just if you tell them. But if you write that to us, I was in charge for the content of it. Of course, I thought it was the best in the world, right? And so, you know, I had to kind of challenge and push back and say that this approach isn't going to work. But there are many, you know, entrepreneurs and founders out there and marketing directors and marketing managers and SVPs of marketing and CMOs that love their product, that are passionate about their product, that think it's wonderful and fantastic. And that's great. But if your copywriters, your freelance copywriters, your agencies and your consultancies are looking at you 
as their target audience, right? Saying how great the product is as opposed <laughs> to potential customers, you're going to have websites and landing pages and copy that are just, you know, you're talking to yourselves and you're not really talking to your customer. So at the end of the day, that's the biggest thing you can do. Get out of your own way, figure out what really matters to the customer. And then, uh, you know, the really the best thing you can do, the other mistake that that so many companies make is, and then test it, right? So I could go into any company right now and, and you know, I'm, I've been writing copy for over two decades. I think I could probably write some pretty good copy, but still, it's just a guess. I'm not the ideal customer, right? Especially, you know, we're working in so many different industries. I'm just taking my best guess. What you really need to do is ask the customer. And that's not just by calling them and asking them. That's setting up an A-B split test with real traffic, real people in real buying conditions and see what works better and learn from them, right? Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. Uh, once I asked my wife, uh, have you watched my new video on YouTube? She replied to me, do you have YouTube channel? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. I, I told you, okay, uh, we can watch this video about marketing. Oh, it's boring. Do you have something about clothes, branding? <laughs> uh, yeah. She, she is not my customer. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. She's not your ideal customer. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, you know, um, let's talk about uh, copywriting or writing because sure. uh, uh, my audience often ask me how to improve uh, copywriting skills, how I can write much better or uh, to write content even for landing pages to get this conversion rate high. Yeah. So, you know, I've been doing this for more than two decades. And the, the biggest misconception I see is, you know, people will say like, oh, I'm not a writer. You know, I don't know how to do it. I'm not I don't good with words and stuff like that. And really only about 20% or 10% of copywriting and writing really is that kind of wordsmithing of getting the words just right and making it sound and feel just right. You know, 80% of the job is research, right? That's what we're talking mm -hmm. about here. 80% of the job is knowing what to say. The other 10 or 20% is just how you say it, right? Which is important too, but not as important as knowing what to say. So if you're not an experienced copywriter, you know, don't be intimidated. The first thing to do, just sit down and write it very naturally in your human voice, just how you're trying to tell someone. So something I noticed, you know, I, I'd even help people like in our HR department internally write something and, and they, you know, show me something and they'd worry like, I'm an English teacher and I'm going to grade them on their, on their word usage. But what they did, they, there's this weird thing that, that goes off in our brain and we get into this marketing speak and we talk in this very official way, like we're trying to really convince someone of something. Right. And so then I'd stop and I'd be like, wait a minute, just tell me, what are you trying to, what are you trying to say? And then when they would say it in their natural language, I was like, well, why don't you just say that? <laughs> that yeah. That's so much clearer. So the two biggest things you have to know is one, 80% of copywriting is knowing what to say. Only 20% is how to say it. So focus, focus, focus on the customer, figure out, learn from them. What do you need to say to them? What's the right thing? Learn their language, right? Look at reviews they write about your company or your industry. Look at how they talk on social media, how they talk to you in person, emails they send to customer service. What words are they using and how are they communicating about your product and channel that as much as possible. And then the other thing is, you know, you don't have to talk in marketing speak. You don't have to, you know, get up in there and shout out and just say how wonderful you are. Just talk naturally. You know, if it helps, just sit down with someone, your wife or a potential customer and talk to them about, you know, how you would communicate the product, record that, transcribe it, take a look at that and edit that because you're going to say it probably in a much more natural human way than if you try to get into this, you know, awesome, amazing copywriter speak. 
Yeah, uh, you know, when uh, I hear that people tell uh, I'm not good uh, with copywriting, I remember the book from Jack London. Uh, he wrote this book a uh, hundred years ago, uh, Martin Eden. No, when uh, the guy uh, didn't have any education, but uh, uh, consistency, hard work, and he changed this attitude. Yeah, and became a great offer. Uh, of course, it, it's a book, but uh, it's a great example. For example, uh, when I started to write uh, uh, myself, uh, I think that um, uh, I'm not sure that I can find this text when I started, but I do it every day. Uh, as many offers, they write uh, plus thousand words a day. If you want to be a good uh, writer, uh, just do it your job, you know, <laughs> to, to write every day to improve your skills. And yes, of course, uh, research information, uh, and learn your competitors, uh, analyze data. And for example, uh, I'm not good. It's a good decision to uh, hire copywriters uh, who write about everything. You know, it's better to find experts. Uh, for example, uh, uh, when I read uh, texts uh, about marketing from uh, copywriters, <laughs> you know, and they have no experience with marketing, they can't provide a good and quality job. Yeah, something like this. Well, I think that really, if you're looking to hire a copywriter, the number one skill is someone who really asks you good questions and pushes back and serves as an advocate for the potential customer. Because like I said, I could go into any company today and write some copy to make you feel like you're amazing, but no one's going to buy anything. <laughs> what you really need, what are the good probing questions to ask? Do they challenge you on things? Do they really serve as that advocate for the customer, the advocate for the audience that's going to read that and to get to that point where they're really actually helping them and, and helping you. So I'll give you a quick example. Uh, something we do to, to help companies kind of figure all this out is we have something called a value proposition workshop. And we were working with this uh, uh, technology company. It has a very cool technology. It's patented by the University of Oxford. It's, it's the coolest stuff, you know. And the challenge they have is really kind of figuring out how to apply it to industry. And so uh, when the, the founder, you know, was in the room talking about it, and they love it. They're so excited. They think it's the best thing ever, right? No customer cares yet, but they love it because it's their thing as they should. And he says, uh, you know, hey, you know, I, I, I think I was asking about the competition. And he says, hey, here's what you have to remember about our technology. What we have is a Ferrari and everyone mm -hmm. else has a bicycle. That's how good our technology is. And I said to him, and it's a challenge, right? I try to be an agreeable human. You don't want to be rude or anything like that. But if you're going to be a good copywriter, you need to push back and serve as an advocate for the customer. I said, you might have a Ferrari. But look out there in the world, how many people drive Ferraris and how many ride bicycles, right? Yeah. <laughs> because sometimes you don't need a Ferrari. All you need is a bicycle. So again, it gets to the, to the end of the day is, is really kind of challenging. And especially when it's entrepreneurs who really, they're, they're passionate about what they do and they should be and they love their product, but challenging them and try to help them see through the customer's eyes and ask the right questions, interview a lot, really unpack that process. Because when you unpack that process, then you get you, you find some golden, golden copy. I'll give you one more quick example of that. Uh, we were doing a, a quick win clinic with a company. It was a, it was a home security company. And, you know, we spent a lot of time talking with them. It was actually over lunch. And we got talking about like, okay, like why just start the company? And, and, you know, how do you make the product? And something that they didn't have in their landing page at all that surprised me is they said, well, we got frustrated with the setup process of what other, you know, security uh you know, setups we're doing. And so, you know, when you buy our, you know, security uh, product and you want to install it in your home, there's this, it just walks you through step by step. You, there's a screen, you click, you know, talks you through. This information was not on the, on the website. What they said was the quickest setup of any home security company ever, you know, which <laughs> I read and I didn't believe. But then when I understood they were right, 
it was the quickest setup. It was really good, but they weren't the copy. They weren't explaining why and how it was. And when you understood the why and the how in the copy, then you believed it. Then it had the credibility. Then it had some exclusivity. And then you were more interested in purchasing. Yeah. You know, by the way, uh, I like more uh, uh, to drive my bicycle than uh, a car. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's much better experience. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the last question: uh, How people can reach out to you, find your stuff? Uh, uh, by the, I submit all links that you mentioned uh, in this podcast um, in the description below. If you listen on uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, you can find them. Just open uh, description and uh, tell the best way how customers can uh, or uh, my audience reach out to you. Yeah. Sure. So, like I said. Uh, we have a lot of free content out there, a lot of free case studies that you can look in yourself and hopefully it sparks something in you to help improve your marketing. You can go to marketingsherpa.com or marketingexperiments.com. Those are actually very old websites. They've been around since the turn of the century. So we got more than 20 years of content to help you with digital marketing and really all marketing. Uh, we are just launching a conversion rate optimization course. There's no cost, is fully underwritten by Mech Labs. You can find that at mechlabs.com slash fast class. That's M-E-C-L-A-B-S.com slash fast class. And uh, my name is Daniel Burstein. And I think you could you know, see it on the screen there. I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. It's a pretty rare name. So I think you can find me and feel free to reach out if you have any questions. Great, great. Yeah, valuable, valuable. Uh, a lot of value. <laughs> I, I know I, I like to learn something new. Okay, thanks guys uh, for uh, watching or listening. It depends on the platform. And see you next time. Thanks, Anatoly. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.